0: We all remember when Jussie Smollett was viciously attacked in Chicago, had a noose placed around his neck, just barely summoned the fortitude to keep hold of his subway sandwich during the assault. Well, three years later, Smollett's attacker has finally been brought to justice. He did not take the news well. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine, and you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to your honor that
1: I am uh, not suicidal. That's what I was like
0: to say. I am not suicidal. Okay, I am not. I am not suicidal. Okay. The most surprising part of the sentencing was finding out that Jesse Smollett has incriminating information on the Clintons. That I'm not suicidal was the cry of a man just waiting for Hillary to walk in with the pillow. But the next most surprising thing about the sentencing was that Smollett is going to jail at all. I had just assumed that he'd get off the hook like every other well-connected, politically correct leftist who plays the right victim cards. But Jussie will go to jail, and he should, because his crime was not just against himself. And his crime was not just against the Chicago PD. It was a crime against half of this country, a crime against MAGA country, which he defamed as a racist lynch mob. He perpetrated a fraud on one half of this country about the other half. It's the same fraud that the liberal establishment perpetrates every day When it calls us deplorable and irredeemable. Jussie Smollett just took it a little bit further and made the mistake of casting Nigerian homosexuals to play anti-gay white supremacists. So he got caught. And despite repeated attempts by the establishment to let him off the hook, now he's paying the price. Good. Justice for Jussie means just a teensy tiny little bitty bit of justice for the rest of us too. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Grant Denham, who says, what a legend Ethan was. He totally disagreed and never hid that. He hit hard with his arguments, and although I think he's wrong, I respect him for being able to simply express his views, listen to Michael's views, and at least actually hear what Michael said. Yes, thank you. I I really think if you missed the show yesterday, uh, go tune into it. I had uh, my friend Ethan Berriman on. Ethan is a true, tried and true liberal Democrat from California Uh, but I wanted to bring him on to just understand the left's point on the parental rights and education bill in Florida, the, the one they're calling the don't say gay bill. I invited on a number of liberals, pretty prominent liberals, some even not so prominent liberals. None of them would come on they, so, they love taking pot shots on Twitter or on their YouTube channels, but they, none of them have the guts to actually come on the show and discuss the issue, even though I'm a very nice guy. I'm not doing any gotcha games here. I wanted an elevated discussion to just hear the best argument the other side could make. Uh, Ethan gladly accepted the invitation and did it, and I, yeah, I give him a lot of credit for coming on. I think, I think we need a whole lot more of that especially these days where there's just so much disinformation, there's so much fake news, there's so much, everyone's just playing the victim card. I mean for goodness sakes, people people are getting attacked, leftist actors, black gay actors are getting attacked in the maga country of the south side of Chicago, so we are told. You got to you got to protect yourself, folks, okay? Your person, your community, and your home, which is why you got to check out Ring. Right now, go to ring.com slash Knowles. You know about the Ring video doorbell. I've told you about it for years. Did you know that Ring makes an alarm? That's right. A full-on, award-winning home security system. It's available with professional monitoring when you subscribe. Best of all, you can install it yourself. Even I, I'm not the handiest guy in the world. I need to hire a team of contractors to screw in a light bulb. Even I can install Ring. I i, I know you've heard me talk about that Ring alarm. Well, now I have got the Pro. The pro the Ring Alarm Pro is where it is at. Is it a it is a next level security system? CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. And after using it, I think they're absolutely right. Ring Alarm Pro helps protect the entire home and the Wi-Fi that it runs on. With Ring Alarm Pro, Ring combined a home security system with a Wi-Fi router. So this thing helps protect your home and your network, your physical world and your digital world. It's, a, it's an amazing product. Right now, head on over to ring.com slash Knowles. Go pro. Be like me. Get that pro kit right now. Ring.com slash Knowles. K o w l e s. No more amateur hour. Go pro. Ring.com slash Knowles. Speaking of disinformation, yesterday on the show, we covered This very weird story about the biolabs in Ukraine, or the biolabs that may or may not exist. Initially, we were told by Ukraine and by the fact checkers over at PolitiFact and Snopes that there are no foreign US run biolabs in Ukraine. This after the Russians accused the United States of having these biolabs. Not only in Ukraine, but in a lot of countries around the world, China came out and made the same allegation. So initially from the United States and Ukraine, you heard, no, there's no biolabs. But the language was very particular. Ukraine had said in the Kiev Post, there's no foreign biolabs. But there might be Ukrainian biolabs that the Americans are very involved in, right? PolitiFact said there are no US run biolabs. Okay, well, maybe the labs are run by the Ukrainians, but we now know because of the testimony of Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs Victoria Newland, we now know there are biolabs. The United States helped to build the biolabs. The United States is still very involved in the biolabs, and they're afraid that it's going to fall into Russian hands now. So, so we know that the fact checks were completely false. in in terms of the actual existence of these places with U.S. involvement, that's now an established fact. So finally, after a couple days, the uh, Pentagon has responded to this. They say it's total malarkey.
1: The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable. And, uh, you know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing to it. It's classic Rush, Russian propaganda, and uh, and uh, I wouldn't, uh, if I were you, I I wouldn't give it, uh, I wouldn't give it a drop of ink worth worth paying attention to.
0: Yeah, but but uh, can you explain to us what it, has there been any relationship between the? We Americans? are not not
1: developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not
0: happening. Now that that second part of his answer to the reporter. That's the part that really raises eyebrows because on the surface, it sounds like it's just a flat denial, right? No, this is bogus. It's not true. As he said in the first part, it's malarkey. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> From our very honest president, Joe Biden. You know, when I hear that word malarkey, my eyebrow goes up too. But the second part is the key here because the reporter asks, has there been a relationship, it seems the next part will be, between the US and Ukraine and these labs developing either potential biological weapons or other hazardous biological material that may have nothing to do with any intention of creating weapons. And John Kirby there, the Pentagon spokesman, cuts him off and he says, the United States and Ukraine, the United States is not developing biological weapons in Ukraine. It's not happening. This is very weird phrasing because he's using the present tense. Obviously, we're not doing really anything in Ukraine right now because Ukraine is being invaded by the Russians. And apparently, there were orders to secure these bio labs at the very beginning of the Russian invasion. But the question is not: Is the United States doing anything in these nations right now? The question is: Have we been doing this in Ukraine or in Georgia or in any other number of countries around the world? For the average listener who doesn't pay attention to the, to propaganda and to the way that spokesmen speak, probably that's going to be good enough. But for people who know that these statements are crafted with real precision and specificity, to me, this denial sounds sort of like an admission. Because if, if he could actually totally deny the program, I don't think he would have cut off the reporter and used this very particular present tense. We are not doing this right now at this very moment. I think he would have said, this has never happened. This is completely bogus. Forget about it. Now, The uh, Fox News reporter, Jennifer Griffin, did a slightly better job of trying to answer this question because that's what I said yesterday. I said, look, I don't, I don't believe Russian propaganda ever. Russia has a long history of falsely accusing the United States of using bioweapons and then admitting, actually Russia has admitted in private missives that they sent, for instance, to Mao Zedong, that they falsely accused the US of bioweapons. So I don't believe the Russian propaganda. I don't believe the Chinese propaganda, obviously. But likewise, I am skeptical of the deep state of my own government. And so I don't believe our propaganda either. And I want to get to the truth. So Jennifer Griffin at Fox did a slightly better job, but not much.
1: In terms of Ukraine's bio labs, which have come under scrutiny tonight, Those are Soviet-era biolabs that the U.S. has been engaged since 2005 in trying to help Ukraine convert the research facilities safely. In Uzbekistan, for instance, the United States eliminated nearly 12 tons of weaponized anthrax from an island in the Aral Sea in 2001. Here's a statement from the Pentagon. Quote, on a daily basis, Russia propagates either either directly through state-run media outlets or through the use of surrogates, disinformation aimed at BTRPs, the U.S. Biothreat Reduction Program's laboratory, and capacity-building efforts in former Soviet Union countries. The Lugar Center in Georgia and the Central Reference Laboratory in Kazakhstan are the primary targets, but more recent disinformation efforts have targeted laboratories in Ukraine. Through these different disinformation campaigns, Russia falsely claims the United States is developing biological weapons in laboratories in these countries, as well as killing local populations with purposeful release of biological agents.
0: Okay, so the official statement that she's reading, by the way, she's not reading her own reporting. She's just reading the handout that the Pentagon gave her, which is, that's not reporting. That's not journalism. That's just repeating talking points from the people that you're supposed to be investigating. But- But the official statement is, look, these are Soviet-era biolabs, and the U.S. is just in there to help Ukraine clean them up and and get rid of all the bioweapons. Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. How long does it take to clean up a biolab? We only began the program in 2005. That's a pretty long time to wait to clean up the Soviet-era bioweapons laboratories. Okay, 14 years. But, But even since 2005, it's been 17 years. How long does it take? To clean it up. Well, now some people are saying, well, okay, uh, they weren't just cleaning up, they're trying to convert them. They're converting the labs into ordinary scientific laboratories where we're working on totally ordinary, normal things that have nothing to do with weaponry or the military. Okay, fair enough. Then why is the military still running it? Why is that? When you when you go to the K- U.S. Embassy in Kiev's website, when you go to their explainer on this program, they direct you to a .mil website. The, the military. All the funding for this program comes from the Pentagon. So look, we uh, the U.S. military does a lot of things around the world to ensure the security of the United States and global security. There are a lot of programs that are secret that civilians. Don't know about, and many that they really can't know about, in order to protect the integrity of the programs. That's fine. I, I, the Russians have their thing. The Chinese have their thing. There's a lot of secrecy. A lot of people developing, and lots of weapons, and doing all sorts of clandestine activities. But, but don't lie to me about it. <laughs> don't, because that's that's really what's disrespectful here. Okay, that's really what's going to destroy the credibility of our own government. All right, the the, the government here has a lot of answering to do, and they're not doing it. They're just gaslighting us and calling us all crazy kooks and conspiracy theorists and Russian puppets. I don't I don't think it's Russian puppetry to ask basic questions about where our taxpayer dollars are going and what sort of activities we're doing around the world, especially at a time of global conflict that could frankly spur World War III. There's the threat of nuclear war. We need to know what is the actual circumstance of what's going on that has led us to this point. There's nothing- Uh, there's nothing unpatriotic about that. It's extremely patriotic and and extremely rational for a free country and a free people to ask these questions of their own government. Listen up, guys. The Daily Wire is creating a universe of woke free entertainment just for you. That means that we have your weekend entertainment covered. Our latest movie, The Hyperions, debuted last night on our DW premiere event. I love The Hyperions. This is a one of my favorite movies I've seen in recent years. I think it's just terrific. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. It's pure entertainment. The way movies are supposed to be, if you've not yet seen our first film, Shut In, it's got a score of 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, so make sure you go check that out. You can also watch The Hyperions and Shut In right now, coming soon, Gina Carano will be starring in Daily Wire's summer blockbuster, Terror on the Prairie. For even more must-see weekend entertainment on Sunday, you can watch Ben sit down with Bill Maher, for his Sunday special. It's Bill Maher Unleashed. There will be no censorship or apologies. But wait, there's more. We've got our documentaries like China, The Enemy Within, a gripping five-part series from the creator of the plot against the president. Uh, We've also got our uh, one-of-a-kind shows like Third Thursday Book Club, Candace Debunked, and The Search. Uh, Your membership makes all of this possible. When you join The Daily Wire, not only do you get great movies, documentaries, and original shows, you also get investigative journalism that fearlessly goes, wherever the story does. So become a member, go to dailywire.com watch today. Help us build a universe of news and entertainment that reflects what you believe. Go to dailywire.com slash watch today. Speaking of war, there is some bad news for the West, for NATO, for the European Union, for Ukraine, for the United States, when it comes to what's going on right now with Russia in Eastern Europe, with this war in Ukraine. The United States has sent Kamala Harris to go and sort out the situation in Eastern Europe.
1: I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies, and what is at stake at this very moment.
0: She couldn't, she couldn't even get the flank right. They sent her to Poland. Uh, which is very much not on the northern part of NATO. That is on the eastern part of NATO. She didn't know where she was. She did this. This is a similarity that Kamala has with Joe Biden. They don't know where they are. They don't know which end is up. the The speech only got worse from there. Kamala Harris attempted to, to uh, rally the troops. You know, you you once had uh, Ronald Reagan show up and say. Uh, you know, Mr. he shows up to the Brandenburg Gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You, you once had uh, uh, Winston Churchill speaking in America saying from Stittin in the Baltic to Triest in the Adriatic, an iron curtain has descended upon Europe. And, and then from Kamala, you get this.
1: We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see. And because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen.
0: I defy anyone to explain to me what that meant. I defy anyone to try to translate that gibberish into English. You can't. And what I mean, I mean this, I'm not really just joking about how inept Kamala Harris is. I mean this sincerely. This is really bad news for Ukraine because it, it means that Joe Biden thinks that Ukraine is already lost. Joe Biden thinks that Ukraine already belongs to Russia because Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's point person on failure. Joe Biden sends Kamala Harris to every lost cause, to the southern border. Okay, Kamala's going to be our point person on the southern border now. That, that's going to work out great, right? This is an issue that's impossible. It's, it, nothing's going to happen with it. And so here goes Kamala. How, how's that come along? Has she fixed that? I don't think so. He's sending her now, every every issue that he doesn't want to deal with because he knows it's a lost cause, that's where he sends Kamala. So this is unfortunate because as of now, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has gone much slower than a lot of people predicted that it would. The world has rallied in a much more forceful way against Russia, I think, than Putin thought would happen. There actually is a chance for at least a negotiated peace to maintain some semblance of Ukrainian sovereignty here. But you're not going to get that with just abject weakness from Joe Biden. And you're not going to get that with Kamala Harris showing up in Warsaw to say, we know what we saw and we didn't see. And what we know we can do, we can do. If we believe that we know that we can imagine, then we can do it here on the northern side of NATO in Poland. You're you're definitely not going to get it there. Putin already knows that the geopolitical strategy of the Biden administration is, is confused, to, to say the, the, the least. But if he now knows that they don't even know where Poland is, uh, you, you're in a really weak situation. You need strength, not weakness. Speaking of strength, you know, on this show, it has been set, many people are talking about it, that uh, sometimes we predict the future. So yesterday or two days ago, after Ron DeSantis endorsed this parental rights and education bill, The CEO of Disney came out strongly against it, begged DeSantis, do not sign this bill. It's terrible. He was going to donate to stop these bills around the country. And I said, I can't wait for Mac Daddy DeSantis to lay the political body slam on this woke CEO. This is going to look great. I don't think he's, he's not going to cave like Asa Hutchinson. He's not going to cave like Kirstie Nome. Kirstie Nome before she reversed course because it was sinking her political career. I said, I think he's going to stand firm. Governor DeSantis, take it away. The chance that I am going to back down from my commitment to students and back down from my commitment to parents' rights simply because of fraudulent media narratives or pressure from woke corporations, the chances of that are zero. I also think that if you have companies like a Disney that are going to say and criticize parents' rights. They're going to criticize the fact uh, that we don't want transgenderism in kindergarten and first grade classrooms. If that's the hill that they're going to die on, then how do they possibly explain lining their pockets with their relationship from the Communist Party of China? Love it. That's the answer. And this is an important lesson in leadership. I don't, I don't just bring it up because it's very satisfying to finally see a politician smack down some woke CEO. This was a real political problem for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is the government, is the governor rather in Florida. Disney is a very big company in Florida. Disney World is a very important place in Florida. So the CEO of Disney could cause a lot of problems for Ron DeSantis. And so there's a world in which Ron DeS- all, what Ron DeSantis wants to do is keep his position and set himself up to run for president. Simple as that. And there's a world I can, I can understand the thinking that would lead you to believe, okay, well, look, I can tick off all the other CEOs. But man, Disney, this could create a lot of problems. All right, maybe I'll try to come to a compromise. And okay, it'll be that you can't teach radical sexual education to, uh, students, uh, First grade through second grade, but kindergarten and third grade, they're still fine. How about that? We'll come, we'll split the baby. We'll split the baby down. Half will be boy, half will be girl. We're going to split the baby on transgenderism. Maybe that'll do it. No, that would, rather than saving Ron DeSantis' political career in Florida and America, it would have completely destroyed it. The only argument for Ron DeSantis, for governor and for president, is this guy's tough. This guy's moral, got moral clarity. This guy's not going to back down. The second he gives an inch on something like this, he's dead in the water. There's no reason to elect him to anything. DeSantis knows that sometimes the best defense is a good offense. So he goes on the offense. Instead of, oh, I'm going to meet with the Disney CEO and I'm going to shake his hand and glad glad hand him and smile at him. No, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say, screw you. <laughs> You're you're trying to abuse children. You you hate parents. I'm never going to back down defending parents. You're a monster. I hate your guts. And you can go pound sand, buddy. (laughs) That's that's not only a good offense. It's not it's a good defense too, because now you've got the Disney CEO back footed. You've got him on his heels. What's he going to do? He's probably going to back off. Also because the parents are on DeSantis' side. Also because Disney's supposed to be a family company and the families are on the side of Ron DeSantis. It's a very small minority of families or Disney customers for the theme parks and the movies and the merchandise. It's a very small percentage that support radical transgender theory in first grade. So what DeSantis has done is not tried to just massage everything and make everyone happy. He's just put himself in a very strong position. Maybe Joe Biden could learn a lesson from that. Maybe the United States could start doing that on the world stage, rather than, for instance, in Ukraine, giving Vladimir Putin direct access to the European oil market and hoping that that keeps him happy enough not to invade Ukraine, rather than literally inviting him to invade just the eastern part of Ukraine and then hoping he'll stop there. Weakness is going to breed more violence and chaos, but if you have a little strength, if you <laughs> if you've got credible threats, that is going to breed a lot more peace. And you're seeing this by the way, you're seeing the Florida model, the Florida and Virginia model on the social issues, on transgenderism, on critical race theory, on on the social issues is is now being adopted in a lot of other states. Georgia is now adopting a, the don't say gay bill like a parental rights and education bill. Idaho is going even further than that. So the absolutely wonderful, great news coming out of Georgia is that Georgia's SB 613 bill uh, says, quote, no private or non-public school or program to which this chapter applies shall promote, compel, or encourage classroom discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels or in a manner that is not appropriate for the age and developmental stage of the students. So almost point for point, the, the same as the Florida law. Good stuff. Again, Just for conservatives and Republicans broadly across the country, it's going to be a lot easier to get these kind of totally common sense laws put into place if a lot of states start doing it. If it's only Florida, then the Democrats and the libs and the radical transgenderists are going to focus all of their efforts on just killing it in Florida. But if it pops up in Florida and Georgia and Idaho and all over the country, They're not going to be able to aim all their their guns, their ideological and financial guns at Florida. They're going to be spread out. You're going to have a lot better chance of these laws remaining in place all over the country. Idaho's done even better. Idaho just voted to make transing the kids a felony. Idaho's House just passed HB 675. Really important to look into this. It was passed by a vote of 55 to 13, so not even close, and it would make providing On the liberal side, they call it gender-affirming care to trans teens, a felony with a life sentence. What does it really mean? It means pumping confused little kids full of hormones and potentially mutilating their genitals. It it, it defines that as child abuse and a felony with a potential life sentence. Absolutely. Frankly, a life sentence is a little lenient, if you ask me, for mutilating a poor little confused child's body. Yeah, I think... That's absolutely right. This is more of what we need to see. Rather, the way that conservatives have run the cultural game for years is always on the defensive. We're always negotiating against ourselves. Instead of saying, hey, I want abortion banned. It's killing babies and it should be illegal. We say, well, what if, could we maybe just, could we ban it at 20, 26 weeks? Would that be fine? Or and maybe 25 weeks and could, no. And then, and then that's where the Overton window sits. That's where the negotiation begins. Trump kind of showed us this with, with the art of the deal, right? You always ask for as much as you possibly can, as much as you can possibly credibly ask for. Maybe you go even a little further than that. And then wherever the negotiation ends up is going to be much more favorable toward you. Great law being passed in Idaho. I want to see more of that in every conservative state in the country. I want to see that law being passed. The other side of the ideology is just really weird and creepy. Okay, and we we just got a video of this of Chasten. Chasten is Pete Buttigieg's partner, and he is uh, uh, pretty outspoken. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> Some of these social issues, if you're uh, associated with Mr. Buttigieg, who t- tries to make every single thing he's doing, every time he passes some mundane regulation at the transportation department, he tries to make it seems like, like he's the most radical social reformer in America and set himself up for president. Well, Buttigieg's partner, Chasen, a, a clip just came out of him running a gay camp with bizarre cultish overtones. All right. I pledge my heart I pledge my heart to the rainbow to the rainbow of the not-so-typical gay camp of the not-so-typical gay camp One camp One camp full of pride full of pride indivisible indivisible with affirmation and equal rights for all with affirmation and equal rights for all Watch your heads. And then he waves the rainbow flag. This stunt that he pulled is extremely unpatriotic and extremely sacrilegious. And I still find this guy more likable than Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Somehow. Because Pete is just that unlikable, but what he did here is really it's really unpatriotic. You're you're asking people to pledge their not just their allegiance, pledge their hearts to the gay flag. He rewrites the pledge of allegiance to the American flag and takes out the American flag and takes out God, and replaces under God with full of pride, not only the uh, a deadly sin, but the deadliest of the seven deadly sins. It's commonly been called the queen of vice. Now, some people say it is the vice of queens. I don't know. I don't know. I've just heard that. It's quite an inversion. But he, he says, you you must pledge your heart full of pride to the rainbow flag. This is a lot more than just a boy who likes another boy. Okay, this is a lot more than just a sexual desire. And even this is a lot more than even pursuing a sexual desire that might be unusual. This is a radical ideology. This is I've said it for a long time. The LGBT L-M-N-O-P, and it goes on and on. They're selling this to you as though it were just a way to be nice to people with sort of unusual sexual desires. Sex is almost secondary to the thing. It is a full-on political, cultural religious worldview that replaces America with your own base desires and replaces God with pride. I mean it celebrates pride that's a weird thing. Why don't why do, isn't it you know celebrating love? Why isn't it celebrating individuality? why why pride? why there's there's always these sort of strange religious, overtones to it. Do you know who unearthed the clip? It wasn't some homophobic right-wing anti-gay. It was the log cabin Republicans. It was the gay Republican group unearthed that clip because there were a lot of guys, a lot of guys who were attracted to other guys who looked at that and said, whoa, man, whatever that is, I'm out. (laughs) Count me out of that, please. I don't want to be a part of that. The cultural battle that we are seeing right now, especially in these laws in the schools in Florida, the, the rule in Georgia and Idaho, this in Virginia for that matter with the governor's race with Glenn Youngkin, the two sides are, hey, maybe don't trans the kids and Chason and Pete Buttigieg versus Chason. They're right. That, those are the two poles. It's, hey, let's not tell my five-year-olds a, 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 that maybe he's actually a little girl versus Pledge your heart full of pride to the rainbow flag. Huzzah, huzzah. What do you think is going to win? What do you think is more popular? What do you think is a a more normal, stable, attractive view of the individual and of society? I I think it's probably going to be the don't trans the kids side of things. This is a full ideology. But before we get to the mailbag, there's a the Democrats had to rush through their last minute legislation the last few days because... House Democrats had to make it to a retreat to be entertained by a drag queen. Not a joke. Uh, This is being hosted by DCCC Chair Sean Maloney. Uh, The DCCC is the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee. This retreat they all ran off to included a musical performance by a drag queen named Lady Bunny. Lady Bunny is actually a pretty funny fella because he's not just totally on board with the Democrats. He's apparently made lots of jokes about Hillary Clinton, how terrible she is. And so I kinda, as far as drag queens go, I kind of like Lady Bunny. But uh, still, House members should not be going on retreats to watch entertainment by drag queens. And then it got me thinking, what's the difference between a drag queen and a, and a transgender person? On the surface, they're exactly the same, right? Men who identify as or pretend to be women and dress up like women and present themselves as women to the world. Except one group knows that they're men and the other group is pretending that they're not men. The difference is self-awareness. The difference is one knows that they are engaging in a kind of virtual reality when they put on the lipstick and the stilettos. The other one believes that virtual reality is real. They think that virtual reality, that what we're being sold are and our lives are increasingly virtual, right? We increasingly we're on we're spending our lives scrolling, increasingly we're spending our lives on our computers. We're not increasing we can work from home. We don't need to be connected so much to the physical world. Well that that is the shift. It's that self-awareness. And we're losing a lot of that self-awareness. We talk about disinformation, whether it's coming from the Pentagon, whether it's coming from the Russians, whether it's coming from the Chinese, whether it's coming from Jesse Smollett, the the more detached you are from the physical world, the easier it is to fall prey to that kind of disinformation. Now, we have got to come back with my absolute favorite time of the week that would be coming up in the mailbag. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back to the show. My favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. First question up from Mike. Hello, fellow name bearer. Mike writes, I am looking for some advice on making decisions. Not what should I have for dinner decisions, but work or life decisions. I get into analysis paralysis and have an extremely difficult and emotional time deciding. I've heard all the platitudes, just flip a coin, just figure it out, make a pro and con list. But none of those things give me any clarity when it comes to making a choice. Do you have any advice to help decision-making, to uh, make it a little less painful. I'm with you. I, I am exactly the same way. I, when I have to decide, uh, I'll give you a great example. I, had, I was repainting my dining room. I, th- this process dragged on for months. Sweet little Elise and I were, were in disagreement. Do we want green No. Or do we want red as all dining rooms should be painted? So we're going back and forth. We're getting other people's opinions. I ask friends. I ask uh, uh, people whose aesthetic opinions I trust. We go on and on. Finally, we decide red. Then we've got to decide what red. I get a thousand swatches. Not really a thousand. I probably got, I don't know, 20 or 30 swatches. None of the swatches worked. I said, no, we've got to get this swatch. We've got to get this watch." Right at the very end, I was about to pick one and I heard about a different kind of paint from a different company. I went, we we ordered another one. We finally got that one. I said, this I think is the perfect one. Let's go with it. And it was the right color. This took months and months and months. With some decisions, you can do that because it doesn't really matter what color your walls are painted and when you paint them. Some decisions are more urgent. Hey, what job am I going to take? Hey, am am I going to get married? Hey, what, even sort of what car am I going to buy? Your car is breaking down. You got to pick a car. The, the way that I would it, it help you, look, if, for some decisions, take your time. Who cares? You know, it doesn't really matter. But for the ones where you really need to decide quickly, just know that uh, as, as long as you're not doing something immoral, right? As long as you're not doing something unjust and they're, they're both sort of fine. you just have to pick because sometimes indecision is worse than the wrong decision. There's this poem by Robert Frost. Do you know that it's probably the most famous poem by Robert Frost? And it's completely misunderstood. The poem is to, uh, The Road Not Taken. People think it's called The Road Less Traveled, but it's not. It's called The Road Not Taken. The poem goes, uh, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And each that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. I kept the first for another day, but knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted that I should ever come back. I shall be... Telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. People think this is a poem about individuality and how you have to go do your own thing and the thing that most people aren't doing. It's not. There is no road less traveled by in the poem. They equally lay and leaves no step had trodden black. They're about equally traveled. He just picked one. And then he later on was longing and thinking about the decision that he didn't make. And then he creates this narrative for himself about how it was so important to make the decision that he did make. But it was was just chance. It was just fortune. It was just life. He just made a decision. And so I hate to come back to that first bit of advice there. But when it comes to urgent matters where you actually need to move on and you can't wait to paint your room for six months, Just make the decision, and somewhere ages and ages hence, you can say with a sigh, I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. From Tegan, hey Michael, me and my wife were discussing the recent phenomenon of women not taking the last name of their husband after marriage. They keep their maiden name. The reason for this is because they want to break tradition, fight against the patriarchy, and keep their own identity. My question is, how do I explain why it's important for women to take the last name of the man after they get married with your famous wisdom? You're the reason I subscribe to The Daily Wire. Thanks for all the work you do. Here's how you explain it to them. Ask these women where they got their last name. They got their last name from their fathers. The patriarchy wins again. Now, maybe you're talking to a really young woman, a Zoomer, who's lived in political correctness and is several generations in now to this kind of woke, politically correct world. Maybe she got her last name from her mother. I don't know. It's rare, but it happens. Ask that young woman where her mother got her last name. From her mother's father, because the patriarchy wins in the end. The decision is not between becoming subservient to the man and girl power when you're deciding whether to keep your maiden name or to take on your husband's name. Either way, you've got a man's name. The question is, am I going to identify primarily in this new family that I am creating through my marriage, or am I going to identify primarily by my old family before the marriage? And what does that say about the marriage and the family that I am in now? That's the question. A lot of people get tricked into this by feminism. Feminism is very wily, but it's really pretty simple. You're not not choosing between me, the girl power, or my husband. You're just deciding, okay, who... Who do I identify with more, my husband or my daddy? From Jen. Hey, Michael, or shall I say Noel Stradamus. Thank you. I love that you've become the love guru of the Daily Wire. My question is about being friends with someone who shut down a romantic relationship, but kind of offered friendship instead. Hmm. Is it ever worth it to be friends with someone that you have a crush on, though it is unrequited, especially if you weren't friends before but enjoyed hanging out with them? Thanks and praying I won't have to settle like you slightly hint that women of a certain age should do. Uh, maybe, I'm not saying it's impossible and maybe you and he really hit it off in some platonic way and you'll enjoy playing bridge together and never long for anything more. But if you are a single woman, you're interested in this guy romantically. You're saying that you're, you're I think you're implying in your question that you want to settle down and get married and start a family why would you waste your time on this guy who's not interested in you? Well, the only reason would be because you think that you can persuade him to be interested in you romantically in the long run. And maybe you can and maybe you can't, but that's 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 kind of that's quite the gamble. You, you don't have infinite time. As you're probably working or studying. You, you, you know, you've got other commitments in your life. You've got other people to see. And so in those precious few hours that you have to yourself where you can look toward finding a boyfriend or fiance or husband or settling down, why would you waste it on some dude who says, no, I just, I pretty much just want to play pinochle with you forever until we go our separate ways. I wouldn't do that. I probably would not do that. I'd go, I'd go find a hunk if I were you. From Andrew, Michael, always enjoy your show. Thanks for doing what you do. Another dating and relationship question. Why not? How many dates should I give someone before deciding there isn't really any chemistry and moving on? I tend to go on at least two or three, but most of the time, the more I get to know a girl, the less interesting and attractive she seems to me. Never a good sign. Having said that, I also recently turned 36, so I also can't discount that I'm the problem. Too picky, unrealistic expectations, etc. My general thinking was that attraction should be something that grows naturally. But do you think that I'm not giving women enough of a shot for a relationship to develop? Signed, The Crotchety Millennial. Probably you are the problem uh, and potentially the places you're looking to find women are a problem too. You say that you become consistently less attracted to these women. That's probably because what is attracting you in them is not really in them. It's not really love. It's a sort of infatuation. It's just a hologram that you are superimposing over these women, which is your own fantasy of what a woman should be. And I don't know why that is. Uh, lots of different behavior. You know, dating lots of women can do that. Looking at porn can do that. Creates unrealistic expectations. Reading certain books or c- can do that too. Uh, but then when you get to know the actual woman, you like them less and less and less. So I would, I'm not here to just to scold you. You should figure out what it is that is not attractive about these women to you. And then stop seeking out women who have those qualities. There are plenty of women that I know who... Physically are very attractive, where I think I'd probably, you know, take a walk to the rickety stool store if we ever ended up getting married, because I just I couldn't I just couldn't bear it, you know. I, we're just not compatible. Okay, we don't really go together very well. Uh, so don't pursue those women. Are you meeting those women in bars? Well, then stop meeting women in bars. Maybe try to find a woman. Uh, through a, a mutual friend, through a family member, through a friend of a colleague, maybe you meet this woman in church, maybe you, I don't know, whatever, but uh, clearly you are doing something wrong. <laughs> if, you, if you've made it this far and you still find these women unattractive, then something not just, not about you necessarily, but about your strategy is wrong. Okay. and And also I would, when you find a woman to go on a date, maybe you're going on too many dates for that matter. women are not just cheap disposable things. In our swiping right culture, it's very easy to think of them that way. Maybe you're uh, getting a little too frisky too soon with some of these women. And so it's it's easier to see them merely as vessels for your pleasure rather than actual dignified creatures made in the image of God with whom you could share your life and become one flesh. So if, if that is the case, perhaps wait to go on a date until you find a woman who actually has a quality about her that you find attractive and is not merely a convenient way to spend a Wednesday or Thursday night. From Jake, hello, one who sees the future and turns it into an ad segue. In my friend group, there have been more and more debates regarding porn, specifically only fans. There was an article saying that one in five women in New York are considering doing it to pay rent. Oh my goodness. Uh, They all said the typical, it's their body, so it's their choice, or as long as she is not being forced to, it's fine. Just don't watch it if you don't like porn when we are debating it. How can I, as a conservative, destroy these fools with facts and references to Cardinal Manning? Thanks very much. Oh, well, you just say it's wrong. The whole my body, my choice thing is just fake. You don't have the right to do whatever you want to your body. Everyone understood this in America until about five minutes ago. This is why we have laws against drugs. Not even just laws against driving while on drugs, or being in public while on drugs, we also have laws against those things. But we also have laws just against possessing certain drugs because you do not have total autonomy to do whatever you want with your own body. Suicide is against the law in a lot of places. Actually, in some places, it's legal now. But traditionally, it's against the law. Why? Because you don't have the right to do whatever you want with your own body because you don't have the right to do things that are wrong. And it's wrong to sell yourself like you're just a meat puppet. And it's wrong to and to consume those sorts of things and to trade in those sorts of things and we still have laws against all of that in this country and they're uh, enforced sometimes and other times they're not enforced but it's it's just it's not good for these women well they need it to make money no they don't no they don't i know look i'm a new yorker new york's a very expensive place i know it takes a lot of hustle to make it there you don't need to sell your body you don't need to become a prostitute to make it there and if you do move to brooklyn Okay? If you do, Hoboken's really nice. You do, it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. It's going to really mess up your life. It's going to mess up your relationships. It's going to mess up your sense of yourself. Do not, do not, it's not worth it so that you can have that really nice 500 square foot studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen. Okay? I promise you, probably you're not even going to afford that. You're probably going to afford a, a small one-bedroom apartment with like four roommates. Okay? That glitz, that dream ain't worth it. How do, you, how do you convince people that it's wrong to treat their bodies like they're just purely flesh? Because you're not purely flesh. Because we're talking. Because we have reason. Because we can communicate. Because we have longings and loves and desires and joys. Because we're more than our bodies, we're also our souls. And we need to make sense of that too. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you on Monday. production manager Pavel Vidovsky. editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico. associate producer Justine Turley audio mixer Mike Coromina. and hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart Michael Knowles show is a Daily Wire production copyright Daily Wire 2022
1: Hey everybody this is Andrew Claven host of the Andrew Claven show you know some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing the end of days is approaching and the moon's turned to blood But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the Republic with me, Andrew Clavin.